As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. There's still a great life ahead. What does it yeah. look like? Who are you? What do you What do you sense that you're called to do? How do you put that into action? How do you have uh, How do you have the faith and how do you have mm -hmm. the courage to do that? Those are powerful, soul searching uh, seasons of life. Welcome to Cultivating the Lovely. I'm your host, Mackenzie Coppa. You can find out more about the podcast at cultivatingthelovely.com, in our Yellow Brick Road membership community at patreon.com slash cultivatingthelovely, and in our Facebook group. I would also love to connect with you on Instagram, where you can find me at Mackenzie Coppa. That's M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E-K-O-P-P-A. Ladies, this week on the show, we're switching things up a little bit, and I actually have a guy on for the interview. It is David Trotter that I'm having on today, and I was actually on his podcast, Inspiration Rising, earlier this year. It was such a great experience, and he was such a great guy to talk to, with a really interesting story, having been a pastor and then going to Hollywood and making some feature films for really great causes. And now he's doing this podcast that's really about helping people kind of assess where they are in life and move forward from that, especially when they're going through big life changes. And so I thought it would be really fun to have him on and talk about what I hear from a lot of you guys is kind of finding our own identity in the midst of motherhood and all the transitions that we go through with that. So before we jump into that episode, though, I want to make sure you guys know about what we're doing in Patreon this summer. We had our groups on Marco Polo throughout the beginning of the year, which were great and people formed such amazing relationships. But this summer, just for the next two months, we're actually going to be really pressing into the Patreon community at large. And so if you want to be involved with that, getting to know other women who are in the same stage as you, who are really trying to press into those same things like wellness and taking care of themselves and being able to pour out to their families in the best way that they can, then we would love for you to come join us. Patreon.com slash Cultivating the Lovely. We have a Facebook group where I'm hosting even more live shows this summer. You get access to to the podcast without the ads and early each week, which is pretty fabulous. We've got a bunch of other stuff going on over there. So we'd really love for you to come and join that community and be a part of that tribe. So come join us at patreon.com slash cultivating the lovely. We hope to see you there. All right. Without further ado, let's dive into this episode with David. Welcome, David. Uh, it's great to be with you. Yeah. Thanks yeah. so much for having me. I'm excited to have you here today. I got to be on your show, which I think it's actually changed the name since 
since we chatted and we will be talking more about that in a few minutes. But yeah, I don't have many guys on the show. It's been few and far between, but I think what you're doing is really great. And so I'm so excited to have you here today. Well, it is, it is a total honor to be one of those few just yeah. selected. So thank you. Yes, absolutely. So would you mind introducing yourself to my listeners so they know who you are and where to find you? Sure. Well, once again, my name is David Trotter and uh, I'm a launch coach and I'm the host of the Inspiration Rising podcast. And my journey in life um, has been a lot of twists and turns. I've gone through different seasons of life. It seems like around every 10 years or so, uh, I take on a new uh, project, a new mm -hmm. challenge, and I, I like to learn. Um, so I have been a pastor for over a decade. Um, then I have done marketing uh, for corporate clients for a decade. I've uh, done, uh, created, produced, and, and directed four feature films. And uh, I'm also in the midst of all of that, the, the thread that kind of weaves it all is really for the past 25 years, um, I love helping people get unstuck and really oh, clarify awesome. their goals and you know, take their life to the next level. So uh, I've been married to my wife, Laura, for 25 years. And um, we have two kids. Yeah, my daughter Waverly is 19, heading into her junior year of college. My son Emerson is 16, heading into his junior year of high school. So we're in the midst of that. I didn't realize that we had kids with the same name. Really? My daughter is named Emerson. Oh, and my son is named Emerson. Yes. You know, it's, it's so funny because um, we have met a lot of female Emersons. So that's kind yeah. of yeah. Yeah. Just kind of kind of coming out of the woodwork now as a I well, it's funny because the name means son of the industrious ruler. <laughs> that's what I, I looked up when I was naming Whoa. her that. I'm not sure I knew that. Yeah. And so it's it obviously originally intended for a boy, but I just, yeah, I liked it for a girl. And we call her Emmy for short. So. Oh, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah that's oh, great. funny. But Waverly, that's a very cute name or pretty beautiful name. She's not like at a cute age now, but yeah, yeah. I really like that name too. Well my, done. I approve your names. <laughs> my wife and I were in a very small campus apartment. We got married in between my junior and uh, senior year of college. Okay. And she was finishing up her teaching credential. We lived on the small campus apartment and we were watching the movie, The Joy Luck Club. Oh. And uh, one of the main characters in that movie was named Waverly. And we said, man, if we ever have a daughter, we want to name her Waverly. And so that's, that's kind of where it came from. I like it. That's awesome. Very cool. So you help people get unstuck. And so you're coaching people in that. What does that actually look like? Well, I find that a lot of people in life get into the ruts of life. There are so many things that are easy to just fall into doing the same thing yeah. day in and day out, whether that's, you know, uh, your mindset, the relationships that you have, the mm -hmm. work that you're into. And I think one of the reasons why we fall into those ruts is because we live in a world where there are so many possibilities that yeah. it can be overwhelming. Yeah. And so rather than taking advantage of those possibilities, we eliminate the ones that feel, you know, different from our background or whatever. We fall into choosing one thing and we stick with that. And then we become uh, complacent or just dissatisfied. Mm -hmm. And it's in the midst of that dissatisfaction that I like to help people. Usually I find, because I, I work with a lot of women for whatever reason, that's just how, where I've landed in life. And usually that dissatisfaction arises when a child moves from elementary to middle school, hmm. uh, when a child goes off to college, 
when there's a feeling of intense dissatisfaction in the workplace mm-hmm. or when um, someone is in the midst of uh, separation or divorce. Those yeah. seasons of life seem to be really uh, where people become aware of their level of dissatisfaction. Yeah. Well, I, yes, <laughs> I can attest to that. <laughs> but I think that's really interesting because um, we're rebranding at the end of the summer and, and not doing like a total 180, but we are adding some new things in and changing some things. And I'm going to be doing a lot more YouTube and video. And a lot of it is is kind of that same sort of thing where I see women who are just doing the mundane mm-hmm. and they're, they want to cultivate loveliness in their life, but they feel guilty or they feel like, you know, they kind of need to be the martyr to put their families first. And yes, we are absolutely supposed to serve our families. But I've been seeing as I move more towards those, my kids are getting a little bit older now, ages that so many moms are going, well, what who am I anymore? Right, what do right. I enjoy? I haven't been taking care of myself all this time. I don't even know really where to start. That's right. And I feel like I need to like hold women's hands. Like this is how you put on your makeup in the morning. Like yeah, this is, yeah. this is how you, you figure out what your style is and what you enjoy and what you're going to do because our kids should, be, I mean, they kind of automatically are this all encompassing thing in our life, but there is that day where they move on. And we, we still, God still has ways that he wants to use us and, and things that he has for us beyond then. But I believe even in the midst of motherhood. And so it's really interesting to hear you saying like those same kinds of things that you've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. And there is, like you said, such a deep question of who am I? Mm -hmm. If I have found my identity primarily as a mother um, and taking care of the home, whether, and, and, you know, statistics say, Mackenzie, that even if a woman works outside of the home full time, she is still taking on the majority of the household duties. Mm-hmm. And so included in that becomes part of a woman's identity, obviously, which is beautiful. There's nothing right, wrong, good, or bad. It's just reality. And when those shifts begin to happen, it's a natural point in our lives for both men and women to say, who am I? What am I here to do? How am I spending my time? I don't want to just watch TV or, you know, binge Netflix. Some of us do. We move toward those coping mechanisms, right? Those coping Mm -hmm. mechanisms of uh, overutilizing entertainment, scrolling through Facebook and Instagram constantly. Uh, You know, perhaps it's overeating or overspending, whatever it might be. Um, Those are all coping mechanisms when we feel like we're stuck and we're not sure how to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that it seems like it's more of a plague in our culture now than it even was 20, 30, 40 years ago. I mean, I think it was Jessica Turner, her latest book, I think it was like Stretch Too Thin. I'm Don't quote me on that. But she talks about sure. like the number of hours that moms were expected to be like completely focused on their children in a week. Mm-hmm. And it went from like 11 because moms, and again, I might not be getting the numbers right, but moms would be around, but their kids would, you know, just go play and go do things. And, and then it went, and that was for like the, the stay at home mom or whatever. But then it, now the amount of hours that was expected back then is expected of the working mom. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we have upped the ante on how much time we're expected to be just like totally focused in on 
you know, doing all these things for our families where that wasn't really the norm or the expectation before. There was a little bit more independence of kids and having to just use their brains and their imaginations to come up with things to do. It wasn't this drive to have to fill their time and be kind of the be all end all for our kids. And I think that there's a certain amount of that that our generation is starting to see and realize that we've gone from like the helicopter parenting of the millennial generation of kind of being like, oh, maybe we need to pull back a little bit because it's actually creating entitlement and like making moms lose their identity and going to lose their minds because you just, you can't be all of that for your families and still come out of it being okay. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, yeah. in the midst of it, it can feel overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But then the point at which I generally intersect with someone is when it's concluding, you yeah. know, when, when the time comes for the the child to go off to college or even the child to move into middle school. This yeah. is something that um, my wife, who is a kindergarten teacher, sees in her elementary school is if a mom is not working outside the home and she loves to volunteer in the classroom a lot, what happens at the end of elementary school is that part of that woman's identity kind of is lost because yeah. middle school don't want your help. It's yeah. weird for you, you know, to go yeah. into the classroom. And so then it's like, what do I do with my time? You know, yeah. I was, I was investing in it. Obviously it's not a full-time volunteer role, but anyway, in the midst of, like you're saying, there is an expectation to have so much involvement. And my point is at the end of that involvement, because it will come to an end, there will mm -hmm. be a transition at some point. Yeah. That's at the point where you go, Hey, there's still a great life ahead. What does it yeah. look like? Who are you? What do you, what do you sense that you're called to do? How do you put that into action? How do you have, uh, how do you have the faith and how do you have mm -hmm. the courage to do that? Those are powerful soul searching uh, seasons of life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, like we've been talking a lot about, you know, stay at home moms or that kind of thing. And their kids transitioning in school, but I think almost even more so for homeschooling moms. I know we have a big homeschooling audience because like even my transition out of being a homeschool mom last year, I remember feeling like, but that's who I am. Yeah. That's my identity. It's yeah. and, and especially if your kids are like graduating and that's been your whole life all day long, every day. That's, that's a major thing. Oh. I love that kind of between the two of us, it's like you're helping usher them into that next stage. And I'm going, okay, let's step back a, a little bit here in these earlier stages. Let's right. make sure we keep a little bit of you in there so right. that it's not this total and complete identity shift. Right. That yeah. is so good. That is so good. Yeah, it is hard because we want to throw ourselves fully into whatever it is that we're passionate yeah. about. So it's like, I don't want to hold anything back. If I'm, if I'm homeschooling my kids, it's not like I'm going to hold myself back yeah. you know, from fully embracing the moments and embracing this opportunity. But at the same time, how do I stay in touch with what brings me enjoyment, brings mm -hmm. me this, um, you know, sense of care to my soul, the things that I'm interested in, the things that I'm passionate about. How do I um, integrate that? That's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think there's just so much guilt that a lot of women feel that if they're, they're doing any of those things for themselves, that that's selfish, you know, Mm -hmm. self care gets a really bad rap and that sort of thing. And I think even more so in the Christian community that you're, you're not supposed to do that because then, you know, you're not fully sacrificing yourself for, you know, your kids and whatever. But, you know, I've said it before on the podcast, even Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. (laughs) Well, if you're not loving yourself first, then what do you have to give to your neighbor? You know, would you love your neighbor the same way that you are taking care of you? Mm -hmm. Well, if if that's not how you would want to treat somebody else, then you probably need to reassess some things. Right, right. You know, the the way that I relate to that is, um, you know, I was a pastor from the time I was 25 until I was 35, 10, 10 years. I, mm-hmm. My whole life, from the time I was 18, I sensed this calling into ministry. And um, I went to college in Southern California and got my bachelor's, went to Fuller Theological Seminary, all of this. Then I worked in the corporate world for a few years, and then I helped plan a church in mm-hmm. Orange County, California. And I threw myself into it. You know, this is what I'd been called to do. I, I mean, every waking moment, all I could think about was, growing the church, helping the church, helping people, so forth. And I did that over the course of 10 years. And I found that, you know, in the process of serving others, in the process of growing the church, um, my own identity became enmeshed with Mm -hmm. that process of serving. So was I serving out of a beautiful heart and wanting to help people? Yes. Was my own identity and ego involved in that, in that, man, this is who I am. I'm gaining value mm-hmm. by serving others. Um, ultimately, it led to, to my own burnout, you know, yeah. um, 11 years ago, where I just was like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, this is not healthy. And this was, you know, this is not a good choice. And so it, it required me to go through a very intensive soul-searching identity developing process. And that's one of the reasons why I do what I do is because I've gone through this process myself yeah. um, 11 years ago. And I, uh, I just know that people need that, that guide, that support, that encouragement to go, okay, you don't have to hit rock bottom. You yeah, know, you, you can make these transitions by going through a deliberate process. And yeah. I, I love helping people with that. Ladies, I don't know about you, but clothes shopping with my kids is akin to slow and painful torture. They're either putting things in my cart I don't want to buy them, or they're running around and not paying attention, and I can't look for the things that we need, or trying to try them on is just a total nightmare. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about Rockets of Awesome, because it's a brand that's shaking up the way we shop for kids online. When I first saw Rockets of Awesome, I was super excited because I could tell already that they had cute, bold designs that were aimed towards kids. They're not trying to make my kids look older than they are, but they are fun and they definitely have a unique style. These are clothes that look like they were designed by designers because they were. And because of that, and because they are created at the Rockets of Awesome headquarters, your kids are not only going to be wearing something that they feel truly special in, but they're quality and machine washable. They've got reinforced knees, amen. Itch-free linings, that's a big one for my girls. Hidden pockets, my girls love pockets. They use only the softest, stretchiest fabrics and obsess over next-level design details. They were really smart when they designed this line because they wanted to make it easy for kids and parents, so all the designs are meant to be mixed and matched. So your kids can just grab any two pieces and they will look put together for school. Plus, your kids will love discovering 
things like reflective and 3D graphics, flip sequins, my girls love those, and even cool bomber jackets. And then you guys, there's the website. That's what takes the hassle out of the actual shopping. They've got sizes from 2 to 14. You can choose from one-of-a-kind items or head to their outfitting section and get inspired by their selection of styled outfits so that you don't have to figure out what to put together. They've got it all figured out for you. And then to top it off, they've got amazing customer service, which is always so helpful, especially when you're dealing with kids' clothing. So if you want to discover for yourself just how amazing Rockets of Awesome clothing is, right now you can get 20% off savings towards your first order. Go to rocketsofawesome.com lovely and use promo code lovely. You guys, this would be a great time to start stocking up for back to school. So that's rocketsofawesome.com lovely, promo code lovely for 20% off savings towards your first order. rocketsofawesome.com lovely, promo code lovely. I, I think that's so important what you were saying about your identity. I mean, I was just at a Bible study this morning and talking about that, how we so end up finding our value in what we're doing and not in just who Jesus sees us as. And it can be really hard to accept those things and those narratives. And I, yeah, I think that's so important that that we make sure we have an accurate sense of our identity or it does lead us to burnout and legalism and, and all of that happening in our lives. Mm -hmm. I just did a beta group for an online course that I have called launch your life, a workable plan to make lasting changes in 60 days. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really designed to help somebody that goes, man, okay, I'm going through this process. How do I launch my life? How do I take my life to the next level? How do I get unstuck? And the whole first module is um, is called who am I? We look at our identity, and it's funny because some of the people that jumped into the you know the uh, the beta group were like, okay, but when do we get to like crafting like what we want to do, our goals? Like, I need to get some stuff, you know, I got to get yeah. some stuff done in my life. And I go, no, 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 that's good, that's good, but that's like module seven. That's like a yeah. way down there. Like, in order for us to become uh, aware of the vision that's being birthed within us let us first have a strong foundation. So I, I liken it to a, uh, I'm not some nerdy rocket scientist guy, but I grew up in the time of the space shuttle. All right? Sure. So I watched a lot of space shuttle, you know, takeoffs on TV, like, you know, people of similar age. Yeah. And you have to have a strong foundation from which to launch that shuttle. You mm -hmm. wouldn't do it off just the ground, the dirt. You wouldn't do it haphazardly. You wouldn't, you know, just use wood. There has to be a strong, mighty foundation in mm -hmm. which to launch your life. And that's what I say, that's our identity. You know, you yeah. can't take that big next step until you get a solid foundation of who you are. Your I call it your divine imprint. Hmm. I have a lot of people that that take our course that would not have necessarily a, a Christian faith background. Mm -hmm. And so I talk about your divine imprint, that you've been created by uh, the divine and that there is something so unique and so powerful within you that the divine loves you and cares about you and wants the best for you and has a plan for your life. And how do we embrace that as our identity? Because that'll be the foundation from which we can launch. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. I love that. And that's really then what your podcast, I'm assuming, was kind of inspired by that. But I want to I want to backpedal a little bit because I kind of I jumped ahead. I want to talk about so you went from pastor to marketing to Hollywood. <laughs> so well, how did that happen? And what 
what got you there? What, what is kind of the behind the scenes of those Hollywood years? In 2008, I hit rock bottom. I, I really burned out and I, I had to do some repair of my own life. I had mm-hmm. to um, do some repair of my relationships with even my wife and kids and come to grips with my own workaholism. And so I began to kind of relaunch my own life. I, instead of continuing in ministry, I chose to begin to create my own business serving marketing clients. I had had a background in self-taught graphic design, videography, photography, uh, web development, and I began to serve clients. Um, and, And so I began to provide income for my family doing that. Meanwhile, I had done a lot of humanitarian work in the nation of India. I'd taken mm-hmm. a lot of trips with our church to India. And so um, my uh, family and I, we took a trip in 2009 for Christmas for two weeks. We took our kids. They were young at the time. Emerson was, I think, five or six, and Waverly wow. was nine. And we went to India for two weeks. And I had never done any traveling outside of really rural villages. Uh, we went to the Taj Mahal and, and so forth. And we, wow. there's a, a ministry there that we work closely alongside. And so I had seen the poverty. I've been to remote villages many, many times. I've been there like nine times. And you see the living in the thatch huts, carrying the water for miles. But the other thing that I see, even in a small towns, are orphans, mm. children who are living on the streets by themselves. And so, you know, I went back home and and just began to think about that and process it, even pray about it, of course. And uh, I talked with a friend of mine and we said, how do we draw attention to the issue of orphans in India? It is such a huge issue because kids either run away because they're having problems with their parents or their parents pass away, die, and they're left behind. Mm -hmm. So we decided to uh, do a documentary. I, you know, I looked at him. I, you ever done a documentary? He said, no. I said, well, have you? No. Well, let's do it. You know, let's create. <laughs> and so we grabbed a cinematographer uh, that was a mutual friend, and we raised a bit of money, and we went to India with no plan other than we are going to find a group of orphans on the street. We're going to document their lives. We've got a translator. Let's make it happen. Wow. So we showed up, and for two weeks we followed this group of orphans. There were about 25 of them living alongside a railway in a town known as Tanali. Um, and it's in the state of Andhra Pradesh, about a town of 300,000. And we hung out with them. We interviewed them. One night, we even slept on the street wow. with them. That was the worst night of sleep in my entire life. We've okay. got one of the kids has a monkey that's sleeping with him. And I'm deathly afraid like this monkey's already, one has already attacked my leg. Thank God I had jeans on. <laughs> uh, there's a pigs, you know, that are roaming around us. Uh, it was just a night, mosquitoes, you know, it's just the craziness. So that documentary we made is a 47 minute film on their lives and helping show kind of the worst case scenario. What happens when a child isn't helped as soon as they become orphaned or abandoned. We also highlighted the work of a ministry there known as Harvest India that has a couple of thousand orphans in a variety of homes, taking care of them, providing them with education. And uh, the two kind of star kids of the film are uh, Polye and Kote Swari. And they, at the time, were three and five years old. Wow. 
living on the streets. Their parents were alcoholics, had been abusive toward them, and they ran away, and they found shelter among this group of 25 orphans. So that film got picked up for distribution by Word Entertainment out of Nashville, a Christian distribution company, Word Music, and um, then it got picked up for Netflix for two years. This was in 2012. Okay. And I thought, my goodness, well, that was easy. You make a <laughs> film, and it's on Netflix. This is great. And so I went back to Word and I was learning about um, sex trafficking around the mm -hmm. world. I had seen sex trafficking firsthand in China, in Bangkok, Thailand, and in India on a variety of trips that I had taken. And then I began to hear about FBI raids in the United States and I was flabbergasted that sex trafficking was happening in our own nation. Mm -hmm. So I went to Word and I said, hey, if I create a film on sex trafficking in the United States, would you be willing to distribute it? I don't want to sexualize it. I don't want to do reenactments, you know, and I don't want it to be a faith-based film. Mother India was not faith-based either, although that was the primary target audience because I know that that audience is going to be most receptive to these messages, but I want mm -hmm. the film to be, I want the film to be accessible to anyone. Sure. So, um, Word said yes. They hooked me up with Natalie Grant, a singer-songwriter, oh, wow. yeah. who had um, created an organization called um, Hope for Justice, and we ended up uh, highlighting six female abolitionists around the United States who became aware of the issue of trafficking in their city and did something positive to make a difference. Most of them opened up an aftercare home. So mm -hmm. I raised money through a nonprofit to fund this film. We filmed it in Sacramento, Little Rock, Houston, Dallas, Baltimore, and Nashville. And uh, that film came out simultaneously i like to create other resources to help people when i create a film sure. first film i created a, a a photo book of the kids um in the in plain this the second um uh, project is called in plain sight stories of hope and freedom and i created a 30-day uh devotional and small group study guide for people to look at god's heart for those who are vulnerable and broken and disenfranchised mm. and then i compiled all the interviews of the abolitionists as well as the survivors that I interviewed into a book called Heroes of Hope because you can't um, use all of the interviews in a film. You sure. can only use a small part. So I compiled all those interviews into a book and, and made it readable and that's available on Amazon, of course. Then the third book, I know this is crazy. This is the third book I created all at the same time. Wow. Uh, a uh, uh, the compilation of all the interviews. The third book was called Start Something to End Trafficking. I was mm -hmm. finding as I was going around the United States that many, especially young women, wanted to do something to stop trafficking, draw attention yeah. to it. They maybe had an idea. I want to create these keychains. I want to you know put on these events, whatever it might be. And my specialty is I know how to start things and create things and grow them through vision and values and goals and strategy, marketing rallying a team, all of that. So I created a little booklet called Start Something to End Trafficking that would guide people and help people with that. Mm. And then the fifth project that we did was we did a compilation music album of 12 hymns uh, that uh, were donated by well-known Christian artists like oh, wow. Natalie Grant um, that were donated in order to raise money. We raised um, $7,500 for Hope for Justice by doing that that video or the, uh, the CD project. Um, so anyway, five projects all at one time. Wow. Um, so that was my second project. I did two more projects after that. Uh, but yeah, I just, I, I am not the kind of filmmaker where I'm 
I'm obsessed with film and technology and the breaking down the film and all that. I'm obsessed with stories and mm -hmm. helping people. Like yeah. I love issues that are important in our world that if I can create a resource that educates people and then motivates them to take action, then I'm, I'm excited about that. That's awesome. So you did these just amazing, it sounds like, film projects, very, I mean, hard material that you were dealing with. And, and now you're a podcaster. <laughs> are you still doing those other projects or is it, are you just moving in the direction of the podcasting and the life coaching kinds of stuff? Yeah. So um, while my wife is a kindergarten teacher, I've been doing marketing, serving clients, mm -hmm. all, of, all of these film projects, Mackenzie, these as an independent filmmaker, I can make a big impact with a film, but the challenge is the finances. Oh, the, I bet. The return on investment. Yeah. So I raise money for those films. I didn't pay myself a dime for any wow. of the films that I've made, but my team all gets paid. I'm doing it as my passion projects because I want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. So like for instance, in plain sight, that film about trafficking, it's been screened in over three hundred locations around the United States through grassroots screenings. This mm -hmm. is not where it gets put up on. This is nonprofits, universities, high schools, churches that are wanting to show it and, and do that. So, yeah. Um, so that's all uh, independent grassroots work. After my fourth film, you know, every film takes basically one year. Every one of them takes a year from concept to completion. Sure. And then another year for distribution and promotion and so forth. I'm still promoting all the films that I've made. Oh, they, yeah, I bet. So I found that my ability to help people, although it is big, it takes a long time. And I would rather have day-to-day um, -day impact with people. Yeah. And so I talked to my wife at the end of 2018 and I said, babe, I, I just, I think I'd rather than doing another film this year, I would really rather focus on coaching and podcasting and so forth. I can do, I can serve my marketing clients. I still do that. Um, it's a lot of fun. I love serving them um, because the clients that I work with are making a difference in the world. They're not yeah. like just That's selling cool. cars or something. Yeah. Um, so um, she was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, it's, and she, I want her to be fully supportive of this because, you know, she hears about it every night. And, yeah. You know? Uh, so uh, in January, we, we started the podcast and I knew that I wanted to offer courses that would be life transformative. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's what we've been doing the last six months. Super fun. Yeah, that is, I mean, there, there's something about podcasting when you just, you get to sit down and have real conversations with people. And so, I mean, I know you contacted me, I was on your podcast, but I, I'm just curious, like, how do you find who you're going to have on your show? What do you look for? What, what are you out there trying to, you know, how do you, how do you decide who's going to be on your show? Sure. In the beginning, because you you know, people don't necessarily know the show. Yeah. You're, you're, you're hustling. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're saying pretty please, you know, yeah. <laughs> can we have it? Yeah. I'll promote Been you. There. I'll, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll do my best, you know, I'll really help you. Um, so part of it is just that, that desire to serve. And so my hope is that every guest senses my desire to serve them. So their platform, the number of followers that they have, the, the, the message that they're spreading may be far greater than what I'm doing. But if they sense that my heart is to genuinely serve them and, you know, and help just further their message and be a genuine connecting point, I hope people sense that. That's mm -hmm. the first thing. 
Um, the second is I'm looking for somebody who has a strong message. There's something unique that they are going to provide value for my audience. And my audience is generally women that are between 30 and 50 years of age and are going through a life transition. Mm -hmm. So how, how can this person that I'm interviewing bring value to my audience? I'm serving that person who's, who's being interviewed, but simultaneously, how can I serve my audience by bringing them of something of significant value? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's really good. I mean, it's probably, it's kind of what we're all looking for as podcasters. Like we want it to be something that helps the person coming on our show, but is also obviously thinking about our audience and what is going to be relevant to them and what they're going to find interesting and enjoyable. And it's that constant kind of balance of, of both of them. But, but yeah, I, I, I love what you're doing. And I think it is so interesting that it is largely geared, you know, towards women. Women have kind of, you know, been a big part of this process for you. So, so what has that been like just really dealing with a lot of women and their issues? Yeah. Well, one of the things that, as you know, as a podcaster, when you're getting started, you have to choose a, a target audience. Otherwise yeah. it's not going to help anybody. You're yeah. going to be all over the place You talk about entrepreneurialism one week and health and fitness the next. It's like, what is this? Yeah. So I talked to my wife and some other people that, you know, kind of, I walk through life with, and I said, you know, for whatever reason, as I look back over my life, women tend to be more attracted to what I do than men. Hmm. So I look and, and I've, um, as I done ministry there, you know, and ministry is unique because churches primarily are made up of women, you know, I yeah, mean, the, the yeah. statistics show that. Um, I hired female pastors to be on my staff. Mm -hmm. um, I, when I was in corporate world prior to that, my boss was a woman. Um, the clients that even I work with now, uh, they're women mm -hmm. that I, I work with for whatever reason. And, you know, I'm like, do I seek this out? You know, unconscious? I don't know. This is weird. So then I felt so awkward about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, I feel like six months in, I'm just getting over it, Mackenzie. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just finally going, okay, I'm okay with this. Um, but uh, I love learning from and talking to women. And so I've leaned into that. We've had some guys on the podcast, but um, I primarily am looking to learn, you know, like I, every person I speak with, you know, that's the third thing that I, I kind of left out when you're talking about who am I looking for? Am I going to enjoy talking to this person? Mm -hmm. You know, is this going to be fun for me to learn from? This yeah. Because I'm in a posture of learning with each yeah. interview. I interviewed somebody the other day, a corporate coach. Uh, her name is Cheryl Ann Skolnicki, kind of a unique name. She's out yeah. of Cincinnati and she's a great coach. She always talks about brilliant balance. And after the interview, I said, Cheryl Ann, if you could give me some advice, you know, I'm just feeling kind of awkward about this. My, you know, women being in my target audience and, and uh, you know, I, I, I just don't know, you know, what this is about. And she just passionately looked at me and she said, David, if that's who you feel called to be, you know, helping and, and highlighting and raising, uh, helping their voice be magnified and amplified, quit talking about it. Just do it. Like, yeah. And the people that resonate with it will be with you. And the people that don't, it's okay. Let them fall. Yeah. By the way, you know, yeah. so just quit talking about it. And I was like, okay, all right, I'll quit talking about it. So. <laughs> yeah. No. And that is so true. I mean, I think that can apply to any of us, whatever 
we are putting out there, you know, we, I've just been talking about this on social media because I recently had somebody who went and left a message on my, you know, my website saying, oh, this episode, I can't believe you talked about this thing. It was so awful. That doesn't help me cultivate the lovely. I've lost respect for your podcast. I'm, you know, never going to listen to it again. And my response was like, I'm so glad that you have figured that out. Like, yep, sounds like we are not the right show for you. I'm so glad there are so many different podcasts out there. You're sure to find the one that you're looking for. Right. Good luck. (laughs) Like, I, I, what was she expecting? I was going to say, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me change everything about my podcast for you. Well, no, because obviously you just must not be (laughs) the audience that I am talking to. And that's okay. Like, and I saw somebody say something to like, um, I think it's kind of been going around the internet, but this isn't an airport. You don't have to announce your departure. Like if you don't agree with what this is, that's okay. You can just go. There's millions of people on social media and podcasts and everything. You can go find what works for you, but you don't have to let the rest of us know. It's okay. Like just move on. I think yeah. there's a, a podcast called Cultivating the Bitterness. You're welcome yeah. to listen to that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes, exactly. And it's just, it's, it's that balance of not taking it personally as the person putting it out there, you know, and it can be hard. It can be hard when you know there's so many expectations from people and you're trying to be authentic to what God has called you to. But I think especially for you in this era of me too, and all of that with a lot of men who have done things really badly with women. I mean, I think women tend to just want to switch the culture completely while women should run everything. Well, I think there is such a valuable place for the men who do have the respect for women and are going to honor them and hold them in the right way and be promoting what they're doing. And that's what I really appreciate about what you're doing is it's you know, on the up and up. And it's, it's the support from, because we're not going to change anything by just getting rid of all the men. Like we need the men to be supportive of the changes that are happening. And so I'm really grateful about that from you. You know, somebody said to me the other day, man, you're, you're really in a great position to be able to talk about me too and toxic masculinity and, um, you know, raising up women and, you know, this. And I said, you know, I, I, I started thinking about it and I go, well, I guess I, I could, and maybe that'll like come at some point, you know, maybe I'll cultivate that, but that just doesn't feel like me. Like what feels like me is I love to highlight and learn from a lot of different people. And a, and a number of those tend to be women. And mm-hmm. I love to promote them. I love to serve them and help get their message out there in, you know, whatever way. And maybe that other type of talk about toxic masculinity and me too will come up in the process, but I don't feel like I'm here to be that person to like somehow save or, you know, I don't know, be the spokesperson. I just feel like, no, this is what feels authentic to me. This is what I enjoy and uh, I'm going to keep doing it. And if other things develop, you know, that's, that's fine. But uh, I, I love, I love highlighting what women are doing and I love learning. I love being in the posture of listening and Mm -hmm. uh, trying to, to, to be in that posture of learning, always learning. Yeah, absolutely. Free bacon for life. Have I caught your attention yet? I am not even kidding because one of our sponsors this week is ButcherBox and they are offering 
free bacon for life. I'm going to tell you more about them in just a second, but if you sign up after this ad, you'll get one package of the best tasting bacon free in every box for the life of your subscription. ButcherBox Bacon is Whole30 approved, uncured, nitrate, and sugar-free, so the best kind of bacon. And right, and right now, new members will get a package of bacon for free in every box for the life of your subscription. Plus, you'll get $20 off your first box. So what is ButcherBox, you guys? I get obsessive about my meat. Meat can be scary if you don't know how it's being raised or what the animals are eating, but ButcherBox makes it easy to get high-quality meat that you can trust. Every month, ButcherBox delivers 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild Alaskan salmon directly to your door. And the incredible quality of ButcherBox meats start with the commitment to raising animals humanely that are never fed antibiotics or hormones. You can choose from curated boxes that include a mix of beef, chicken, pork, or customize your own box so you get exactly what you want for your family. Meat is frozen at the peak of freshness in individual vacuum-sealed packs, and all meat is delivered right to your doorstep. So it's like hitting all my most favorite things. It comes right to me, and it is the highest quality that I don't have to worry about feeding my family. I can cook with peace of mind knowing that my family is eating high-quality meat that I can actually trust. Plus, it's affordable. By taking out the middleman, the grocery stores, and purchasing direct from a collective of ranches, ButcherBox is able to buy meat at a lower cost and pass those savings along to you. The price is just $129 a month, which works out to less than $6 a meal, and shipping is free nationwide. And you guys, we see a lot about grass-fed. But grass finished is where it's really important with beef because that means the cattle ate nothing but grass for their entire lives. We have absolutely loved ButcherBox. Everything that we have received from them, my kids have gobbled up. We've loved their hamburger. It is so delicious. Their chicken is amazing. And I gotta say, their bacon is probably my favorite bacon. So to receive $20 off your first box and a package of free bacon in every box for the life of your subscription, go to butcherbox.com lovely or enter lovely at checkout. Go now because this is a limited time offer. So again, $20 off your first box, free bacon for life of your subscription, butcherbox.com lovely or enter lovely at checkout. Well, and I, I totally hear what you're saying. And I think that's the great thing is you don't have to talk specifically about me too. It's what you're doing that shows that's, that's where the change is happening. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to address it and, and make a big platform about it. It's just you're doing it. Yeah. It is, it is a bit of a challenge though. You know, I will tell you, um, there have people that have said no to coming on the podcast because I was a man, Sure. Uh, you know, blatantly. And uh, it, I kind of just laughed it off. I was like, okay, that's, that's okay. Um, the biggest challenge is me being on other podcasts after mm-hmm. about five months. I thought, you know, it'd be kind of fun for me to be on other podcasts and share the things that I have to, to, uh, to share and, and encourage others. And I have a wonderful producer, Kristen Mana, and we've mm-hmm. been you know, working on me getting on other podcasts. And um, I am honored that you would have me on, deeply honored, because uh, most people won't. You know, just because yeah. I'm, I'm uh, just because I'm a man, and I totally get it, and I don't take it personal. It's no problem at all, and so I'm honored that you would have me on, and I'm honored that other people would have me on for us to get to know each other and create um, connection. And if I can mm-hmm. serve through things that I've learned, the things that I've done in life, um, I just appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like, you know, I I think I'm in a unique position with it as well. It's just um, like even I've had 
people on to come on and talk about their books on marriage. I'm, I'm working on not being married. You know? yeah, yeah. So I think people are surprised when I have those people on, but it's like, well, I don't, just because I'm going through that doesn't mean that I don't believe in marriage or I don't believe that it can be wonderful and should be honored and worked on and, you know, held in great esteem. And I, I hope to have it again someday, you know, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm not going to have every marriage book that comes out on the market on, but if there's something or someone who I feel like has a really great message about it, then yeah, I'm going to have them on to talk about it because I know that a lot of my listeners are in that place and, and need that information. And I think it's worthy to put it out there because like you were saying, I want to bring content that I think is good for my listeners and is going to benefit them. And so it's that same kind of thing with you. I think this message that you are putting out there that, you know, there are these big transitions that we have in our lives and we've got to make sure that we have our identity correct. It's something I see and I encounter all the time with mm. women. And I think it's so important that we are being proactive about that. And so, of course, I'm going to have you on because I think that what you're doing is really important and it really jives well with what we're doing here already on Cultivating the Lovely. I love that. I love that. And the thing that um, I am finding as I work with people, especially women, is that oftentimes there can be an assumption that 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 next step in life, as I'm, you know, creating um, a strong foundation with my identity, that that next step in life has to do something with a job or a mm. career. Mm -hmm. And as I'm working with people, they're finding that, well, no, that this doesn't have to do with a job or career. It has to do with something that's going on inside of me, something mm -hmm. of exploring my passions. I just yeah. had uh, a woman go through our course and she actually, she actually is a mindset coach Hmm. Um, for a very well-known online um, uh, doctor. And um, she was processing a lot of things. And she is actually allowing the inspiration of having a flower farm to come to life. She wow. loves flowers. And she felt like deep down that that was not worthy of her time or attention because it wasn't like, you know, this big thing. And yeah. she loves dahlias and these big, huge dinner plate flowers. And so she is in the process of creating her own flower farm because she's got a big property wow. and building the website. And cause she wants to be able to, um, you know, put that out into the world and sell these flowers locally and even use them for essential, I guess there are flower oils and flower stuff. You know, I'm just wow. learning about it. Wow. So anyway, it, you know, as we're going through these, these processes, it doesn't have to be something as, as big as a job or a career. There's yeah. things that are inside of us that need to be unleashed that have been held back because we've been so focused on taking care of kids, right? Yeah. Or taking care of our families. And so what does it look like to allow those things to come to the surface and blossom again? Mm -hmm. It's really yeah. powerful. And so much of it is, a lot of that has been put on the back burner because we're taking care of kids. But I think a huge factor in that is we're trying to, behave a certain way or do things a certain way because we think that that's what society or our culture or our faith is asking of us instead of looking at who God made us specifically to be and mm -hmm. do. 
And, and that's a theme that I have seen coming up so much recently too. And a lot of the interviews that I have coming on this summer, I can think of Heather Avis and Lindsay Teague Moreno and kind of embracing motherhood in a different way and being able to look at it. Well, well, how did God craft me personally to be able to have this identity within motherhood and, and not have it be so determined by those expectations that are being laid on us from outside sources? Well, and the funny thing is, the expectation of what motherhood should look like is so different based on your home of origin, mm-hmm. your faith tradition, yep. the cities in which you live. Because there, I live in Orange County. The yeah. expectation of, for a lot of women, of getting a high paying job and climbing the corporate ladder, the expectation is like, you've got a nanny at the park. Like, yeah. You know, that's yeah. a totally different expectation than if you were raised in maybe a family where you were homeschooled and the expectation was that you would homeschool as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not um, one perspective, you know, women yeah. are from a lot of different perspectives. And like you said, how do you figure out what you're uniquely wired to do and, yeah. and the values that you have and your own idea, the choices, and then embrace those choices. And that if yeah. you are married, that your partner you know, you guys are on the same page, you're embracing those together, then that can just be this powerful next step because you're not constantly second guessing, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing yeah. guilt and, you know, resentment of others and all yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you've mentioned a lot being in this like learning position on your podcast, learning from these women. What are some of the biggest lessons you've taken away since being a podcaster? You know, I think this is unspoken. But the thing that I see so strongly is that, and here I come with like the me too toxic masculinity (laughs) language, is that women need a seat at the table. Mm. And sometimes, you know, those in power can provide that seat or seats, right? It's not one seat, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there are other times when women need to raise their voices and say, I want a seat. I want to be a leader. I want my voice to be heard. And, um, you know, I I feel like I have the privilege of helping amplify voices. That's fun for me. But um, that's one thing that I see so strongly. And the women who I have on the show have seats at the table because of a variety of reasons. You know, Mm -hmm. they're inspiring. they're, they're they're, They're challenging whatever systems they're involved in. The other that I just love is, and I hope this is not, um, you know, typically like sexist or whatever, but there is a great sensitivity to the soul hmm. that I, I sense in all of the women. And sometimes on the outward, she can be um, pretty, you know, powerful. I just interviewed a divorce attorney who wrote, has written a best-selling book on um, called Better Apart, discovering, you know, how to radically be positive in the midst of separation. I'm a pastor. What am I promoting divorce yeah. as a former yeah. pastor? What the heck? No, no, no. She's going, I know the reality is people are getting divorced. How do we do it in a way that is um, full of peace and mm-hmm. helping people, right? Yeah. Um, so she's this high powered divorce attorney, but yet there's this sensitivity to the soul. Mm. And I want more of that in my life. You know, I want more of that sensitivity to the soul of collaborating with others. And um, so with each interview, I definitely learned something new. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Does it, does it change? How does it affect your relationships with like your wife and your daughter? This is a hard one to admit. 
I was working with somebody the other day and a female, we were working on a project, right? At this nonprofit. And this guy that we had hired to do some work on the facility, he backed his truck into the building. Older oh, guy, just wow. backed it into the building, just <laughs> bam. And we're actually having United Way paint a mural on this wall um, to highlight ending homelessness. All right. Okay. So we're doing this in our city. And this guy backs into the wall. And, you know, my, my first thought, McKinsey, was, oh my gosh, I hope the wall's okay. Like, because yeah. <laughs> I'm focused on the project. You know, yeah. I want to create an awesome mural that, you know, this with professional artists. Her first thought is, oh, is he okay? Is his truck okay? Is his truck, right? I went over and checked. His truck's jacked up. It's messed up. He said, oh, I'm getting a new truck in a month. It's okay. And for 10 minutes, she's like, oh, I just feel so bad. I just feel so bad about, you know, him. I said, Mackenzie, out <laughs> of my mouth, I said, you know, I think your problem is, is that you feel too much. <laughs> she yeah. looked at me and she said, really? I feel too much? <laughs> And she, she dropped it. She dropped it. And I drove away and I thought to myself, and we haven't talked about it since. Uh, I was like, I can't believe I said that. I cannot believe that I just said that. Um, and so, you know, those types of things are becoming more in my uh, peripheral vision. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm seeing those things, becoming more aware of those things. Um, yeah, I mean, it's small things like that, but yeah. it's also becoming greater, more aware of just our culture and the direction that we're going. And um, so, but yeah, small things like that, I'm telling you, but coming to my, yeah. com coming into my peripheral vision. Hi, yeah, yeah. How did I say that? <laughs> Why did I say that? Oh, we all do those things though. So take comfort. You're not alone. I ha I feel like I have that, that constant reel going in my head whenever I leave like a public interaction with someone like, what did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I just, as a podcaster to podcaster though, what have been some of your favorite things about taking on this new podcasting journey? My favorite thing is talking to new people. Yeah. And, and what's funny is I'm a, kind of an introvert. I'm a slight introvert, but when I am sitting down and I've done research on someone and I'm asking them questions, I'm genuinely interested in them. Almost every time the person ends the conversation by saying, this was so fun. This yeah. was so fun yeah. because I genuinely am interested in what they're about and, and I want to help them. And um, so I find that I'm talking to people that I would have never spoken to. Yeah. Never, never yeah. spoken to. Um, I just interviewed a woman. Now I grew up in a home and I, your listeners might be in the same spot, but I grew up in a home where yoga was a little wacky. All right. Yes. That's Jesus. Jesus. I hear that from some of my listeners too. So <laughs> I know that's been a thing. Jesus and yoga do not mix. Yes. Okay. Jesus would never do yoga. Jesus might stretch, but he yes. would not do it in a pose for sure. Yes. So I'm interviewing this woman. She just turned 30. She lives in Costa Rica. Her name is Adi Shakti. It's the name that she was given by her guru in India. We're talking about how she runs these um, week-long yoga retreats in Costa Rica. And I'm learning about her life and how she don't gasp here, but she grew up Lutheran. She considers herself a Christian, a follower of Jesus and this yogic tradition. Yeah. Gasp. 
What oh, the heck? Believe podcast? me, I have talked about this on the podcast because I've been through yoga therapy and, and I always get those emails. <laughs> yes, I get yeah. it. So I'm talking with her. I would never talk to this gal. I would never talk to this woman. She lives in Costa Rica. She's a yogina, right? She's got this beautiful place that she trains people. That is so fun because yeah. I'm stretching my mind. I'm stretching my heart. I'm seeing how different people live. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah. That, that is definitely, I, I got to agree with you, especially if you have somebody who comes into the interview and they're really nervous about it. Like I've had a lot of my good close friends who live here on the show now and they're total introverts and so like, don't like to be up in front of people. And they always go into it like, Oh, how did you get me into this? I'm so nervous. And then every one of them have walked away saying, that was so much fun. And that's like the most gratifying thing yes. to me that I was able to make it fun for them. And they really yes. just kind of lost themselves in it and had the conversation. It's so much fun. I love that. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Well, I am glad your voice is at the podcasting table. I think it's good for us to have a guy in the mix. And I'm so glad that you could be here today. But are you ready for my questions? I'm nervous, but yes. <laughs> okay, well, let's start off. Not This one you don't have to be nervous about. What does a typical day look like for you? Typical day. Well, if it's during the school year, I'm getting up at 6.30. I'm taking my son to van pool at okay. 7, 6.45. He rides a van pool, not a bus, because he, he goes to a special arts charter school that's like 30 oh, cool. minutes away. So he rides the van pool. Um, then I come home, I do email, I do graphic design, videography, photography for clients. I uh, maybe interview someone or I am interviewed for the podcast. I'm doing audio editing, which I know you, you know, you do a lot of that yourself. Yep. And um, I am usually eating a salad during the day. I'm trying to do that. I lost 65 pounds recently. So wow, I'm trying to, how are you? you know, trying to keep it down. And um uh, then I go pick my son up at 5.30 from the van pool. He's got a long day. Yeah, so he does. Wow. I, I work pretty much from my home. I have meetings here and there, but I work from home in my home office, and I'm very focused the entire day. Very focused awesome. person. Yeah. Awesome. So how are you currently cultivating loveliness in your life? The uh, best way for me, and, and we didn't talk about this, but when I went through my kind of rock bottom burnout experience 11 years ago, I found that my number one value shifted to be peace mm. above everything. I need peace in my life mm. because if I am in a place of peace and not anxious, worried, depressed, overwhelmed, striving, if I'm in a place of peace, I can be present for my wife and kids and other people. Mm -hmm. And so for me, cultivating the lovely looks like peace. And so that could be um, even taking a break and going out and watering my succulent garden out in the backyard. I live about seven, eight minutes from the beach. So going and taking nice. a walk, walk on the beach, um, anything that gets me back to that place of peacefulness. I love that. And I think I forgot to tell you, I typically answer this question as well. And so the thing that I just, well, it just started today. I kind of mentioned it as I'm doing a summer Bible study with some gals and a couple of them I am close to. One is brand new. I'd never met her before today. And then a couple I am acquaintances with, but um, we're just in this Bible study together. And so getting to know each other better. And, you know, What's I just, topic? it is, um, 
oh, what's his name? I think his name is James Brian Smith, wrote a series of books on spiritual formation. Okay. And so we are doing the first of those books. I, The Good and Beautiful God, that's what it's called. Okay. And it's super interesting to me. It's a book on spiritual formation, like nothing I've really read before because it acknowledges how like our bodies play into our emotions and our moods and the way that we're thinking and that sort of thing. And so I got to the end of the first chapter and I was expecting all these questions that we were going to need to answer, you know, for the the group today. And the assignment was to sleep. (laughs) It was like- most likely you're not getting enough sleep and that is affecting the way you're thinking. That's affecting your moods. It's, it's affecting everything. And so your assignment this week is to get more sleep. And I was dumbfounded. I was just like, (laughs) why does no one say this? Like, this is, it it makes so much sense. Like we carry so much in our bodies, just like our physical reactions to triggers and all of that. Like this, This so like we talk about being hangry, you know, when we haven't eaten enough and it makes us angry, like sleep is such a basic component, but we need it. And so I actually did like I last night I slept way more. We were late to the Bible study. (laughs) I was like, I'm sorry, I was sleeping. I was doing my homework. Yeah, exactly. And they were like, that's so great. (laughs) So it was, it was just, it's a really refreshing look. And they, he kind of terms like the spiritual discipline disciplines as soul training. And Mm. so instead of like this legalist of view of these are the things you should be doing to be right with God. It's like, no, you're training your soul by doing these things. So when you meet circumstances where you need to utilize, you know, a strong spirit, you have done the mm. training, you've worked out those muscles. And so I just think that's a really refreshing way to look at the spiritual disciplines that can sometimes I think almost have even a negative connotation Sure. and to be able to do it with these women and to be like focusing on actually like taking care of ourselves at the same time and that that matters and it plays into it. It's, it's really refreshing. That so, is good. That is yeah. good. I sleep about nine hours every night. Oh, that's amazing. I have to. Yeah, I have to. That is definitely yeah. a part of my life. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's I'm very, I'm very spiritual. Yes, there you go. Okay. Well, at least your, your exhaustion is not getting in the way of your spiritual life for sure. Okay. Here are my questions. And these are, now that I'm looking at, I'm like, Oh, are these geared female? I don't know. We're, we're going to find out. I don't think a lot of them are, but (laughs) candles or essential oil diffuser. Okay. I just did an interview with like this super famous essential oils woman, um, Lindsay Elmore. And so I got my very first Young Living starter kit, whatever. It's sitting next to me. It's tough. I've just gotten into essential oils. I'm just kind of like introduced to them. So I'm going to go essential oils. I've got it going. Yep. I love it. There you go. Okay. Cloth napkins or paper? Mm, Yeah, we use paper. Yeah. Yeah. All right. City or country? I'm going to say city. Yep. yep. We live in a concrete jungle here in Orange <laughs> County. It's not too big of a city, you know, because it's kind of like, uh, but all the cities in Southern California all run together. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, totally. But I grew up in Bowling Green, Kentucky, 30,000. Oh, people. wow. So, Very different. Yes. Okay. Shopping. Would you rather do it online or in the store? It depends on where the greatest sale is. There you go. I'm a sale guy. And if I know my size that's going to fit well, I will do it. Like shoes, I oftentimes will buy online because I know the size and everything. But then we also have 
a number of brands that originated here in Orange County. Mm. Like one brand, um, well, they're all kind of like surf skate brands. Obey, Volcom, Billabong. And we have warehouse sales um, that just crazy prices. So I just took my kids last week to an Obey sale. And, you know, t-shirts normally run 30 bucks or 12. And so. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That is nice. That's definitely worth it to go in the store. Okay. I don't know if you participate in making dinner, but this is usually a question I ask about when you get to kind of that time of the day, if you need a mental break, do you listen to a podcast or music? I will tell you that at this, it's changed in different seasons of life. At one season, I was the main cook. Now in this season, my wife is the main cook. Okay. So um, she listens to podcasts. What did you say? Music or podcasts? Yeah. Um, she does uh, podcasts. Yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. Do you know what some she, of her favorite podcasts are? You know, there's this one called Inspiration Rising. Like she just <laughs> loves it. Uh, she loves um, a podcast by Richard Rohr. Oh, okay. Um, she loves uh, This American Life, of course. Um, she loves Jen Hatmaker's podcast. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. She has got a lot that she likes. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Chocolate, milk or dark? Milk for me, dark for my wife. <laughs> All right. That makes a lot of sense. I think that's interesting. I, now I feel the need to like go back and ask everyone's husbands that I've had on the show. Like, <laughs> but is your husband different? Is he on the dark bandwagon? That's do you funny. like dark? Yep. Yep. And most of my you- friends do too. Where do you, do you buy it at Trader Joe's? I do have a lot of Trader Joe's chocolate. I knew it. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's what we gift to each other when we're like stressed. Here's some Trader Joe's chocolate. Yeah. yeah. Women love that, black, that dark Trader yep. Joe's chocolate. Yeah. Yep. There's something about it. Okay. Sports or no sports? Sports. My wife and I, uh, we both love sports. We grew up playing sports. We um, are avid fans. I grew up as an Alabama um, college football fan. And so okay. my wife and I are, I, I converted her to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we enjoy watching sports together. That is fun. I, you know, we're, other than the Alabama pro or uh, college football, we don't necessarily get super passionate about any other teams, but it is a fun connecting point for us. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Okay. Live broadcasting. Would you rather broadcast or watch? Live broadcasting. Are you talking about video or audio or, or like Facebook Live or what? Yeah, Facebook Live, Insta Stories, anything like that. Yeah. Hmm. I would probably, I do a little bit of both, but I probably watch more than I broadcast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's fun. Last night, this was crazy. I had already gone to bed early, 830, because, you know, I'm like an yeah. old man. My, <laughs> my kids are like, oh, all right, Grandpa, going to bed at 830. <laughs> So I hear this commotion out in the living room and my wife says, babe, babe, get out of here. And so I put on some clothes, I run out and there's a hummingbird in our living room. Oh my word. And it's sitting on, we have two ceiling fans in this living room area. And so she's like, help us. The lights are turned off. The doors are open, front door, back door is open. And she's got a fly swatter in her hand. My wife says, I'm like, what are you going to do with that? It might attack me. Yes, yes, the hummingbird's gonna come. <laughs> so, as a uh, loving, you know, responsible husband, I go, wait, 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 I gotta start the Facebook Live. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 
So I turned on Facebook Live. I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't work without Facebook Live on. This is awesome. So I'm That's Facebook cool. Living as I get it out. I end up cornering it in the corner of our living room in the ceiling. I'm six five, so I can reach all the way to the ceiling. And I take both hands and I slowly grab it. I grab this thing. I'm scared that that's going to bite me, but I'm okay. I grab it gently and I hold it and I'm looking this hummingbird Mackenzie in eyes. That's amazing. A little tear came streaming down and landed on my palm. No, <laughs> okay. It wasn't crying. I did kiss the hummingbird though. I was like, when that's am I ever going to kiss a hummingbird? I kissed the hummingbird. I walked outside. I opened my hand. I named it Hubert. Hubert nice hummingbird. name. And it laid there with its arms spread. And I thought, oh my gosh, I just killed this hummingbird. And then all of a sudden, bam, takes off. Just oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, yeah. and of course you had to turn on the Facebook Live. I know my children really love when I'm like, I got to get this on Insta Stories. You are an Insta Stories-aholic. You I live am. on that thing. Yes. What is it about it that you enjoy? Um, I like the interaction and I'm also really trying to boost my Instagram presence. <laughs> so that's a big way to be doing it. But I, I mean, I started out on Periscope and so there was that, oh, that's right, you that live video component where I just really enjoy interacting with people in that way. I love when people DM me. Mm -hmm. based on my Insta stories and the conversations that get started. I mean, I like putting things in my feed, but I really like the video component because sure. it's just, it's more real. I feel like people get to know me. I can be funny. <laughs> like, I just, yeah, I don't know what it is. I just love the interaction. I, I'm an extrovert. And so I think that's like just one way that I like to connect with people. So I miss yeah. your parents' closet though. I, uh, I just, you, know, you used to do, you used to insta story in there. I did. I did. And now, I mean, I do it a little bit in here, but my little studio is so dark. That it's like, <laughs> I'm just like this bobbing head in the void of blackness, I feel like, but, but it works. So that's okay. All right. What is your favorite movie? Ferris Bueller's Day Off, without okay. a doubt. Love that movie. You know, typical 80s. Yes. Coming of age movie. Yeah. My kids love it. My son has a poster of Ferris Bueller's Day Off in his, uh, in his bedroom. So. Oh, fun. That's a good answer. I don't think I've gotten that one before. How about you? Um, you know, it's a hard competition, but I think if I had to boil it down to one movie, it'd be You've Got Mail because there are just so many perfect things about that movie. It's so quotable and it's kind of like what all of us want is in a, you know, just a romantic comedy. It's just perfection. I thought you would say something like some time period time movie or something <laughs> that was like, cause of your literary love. Something oh, that, you know. I know. Well, it's about books. Yeah, you know? that's true. That is true. You know, they're booksellers. So yeah. yeah, it just is, it's just sweet. And it has per a perfect line for every situation in life. So <laughs> I love it. Okay. And finally, if you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum, like how natural you are and zero is singing or zero is not crunchy at all. And 10 is like singing Kumbaya by the fire with dreadlocks in your hair. Where would you be on that spectrum? So good. Uh, if I'm by myself, okay. I'm a zero. I'm a zero. <laughs> if I'm with my wife, oh. 
I'm going to be in the seven range. Okay. Yeah. yeah. She's not super crunchy, but she's very healthy. She gets up at 445 every morning to work out. She wow. drinks a isogenics green, nasty looking shake <laughs> for breakfast. And uh, yeah, but she helps me. She helps That's, me be more see, crunchy. Now you're making me rethink these questions. I feel like I need to start having people give the answer for themselves and then what their husband would say, because I bet that is true a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, we impact each other's lives so much because, you know, we're obviously living in the same home, doing life together. And so it's not like I'm just disconnected from her reality. You know, she's yeah. cooking dinner. She's, you know, we're, you know, snacks, we're going to the movies, you know, all of that stuff. So yeah, she, but you know what, she, even when we got married, I was 175, six foot five, 175, very skinny, very, uh, God, I was hot. I was so hot. <laughs> then I ballooned up last summer to 255. Okay. Okay. So it's spread out. People thought, well, you're not, you know, you're not, fat you just you know got a little extra oh i just felt huge personally yeah, and yeah. she's fit she doesn't have quite a six pack but it's there and she's never ever said anything negative she's never said hey why don't you lay off she just models her life and does that and you know i finally was like okay all right. I think she's going to get rid of me if I get any better. So <laughs> I got to get rid of this stuff. So I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. That's awesome. But yeah, I think that is probably, you know, I think women a lot of times are probably the catalysts that start a lot of the crunchy things or that sort of thing. I know that's totally been the case with like my parents and really a lot of my friends who have been kind of in that, that crunchy world. We just tend to, I think cause a lot of it starts out with the kids and like wanting to do stuff different for your kids. And then yeah. And then you guys get roped into it. <laughs> you know, if you go into any restaurant, any kind of sit down type restaurant, even a burger pie place, um, I, you obviously you have people that l listen all over the place, but you know, like a Chili's, a Red Robin, yeah. an Applebee's, a, you know, any of that stuff. You look at what people are eating. I mean, I walk by and 95% of the time that woman's got a salad and that guy's got <laughs> a, just a massive burger with bacon and cheese and fries and all kinds of stuff. I mean, look at it next time yeah. you go to a restaurant. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. 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 Oh, I totally think that's a thing for sure. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was a joy to talk to you and we will have links to all of the places that people can find you in the show notes, but I just really appreciate you coming on today. It has been an honor. So fun to talk to you. Yeah. yeah thank really you. Yep. All right. Well, hopefully we'll talk soon. I just love being able to talk with David. He's such a great listener and he's got such great insight on life and how to move forward and find our identity that I'm really glad I was able to share his message with you guys and be able to have him on the show. He also gave me some ideas for some really great people that I'm looking forward to being able to contact and hopefully getting on the show this fall so you guys can be looking forward to that. Some ladies who are in the wellness and beauty areas that I think will really be interesting to you guys. So that should be coming up this fall. But until then, you can find all the show notes from this episode at boldturquoise.com slash 123. And then while you're on the internet or on your phone, even better, it's even simpler on there, you can head over to iTunes, search for Cultivating the Lovely, and then just scroll down and click that leave a review button. 
That helps our show grow so much, especially during the summer when people are really busy or some are just looking for new podcast suggestions as they're driving kids to different events or sitting at the beach. So I would so appreciate if you would leave us a little rating and review that would help people to know that this is the show they should be listening to. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who do that. All right, until next week when I am back with Amanda Warfield, go be bold and gracious. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.